church and all there just a little bit ago. And uh, I was sitting over here. Uh-oh, I'm going to have to remove some weight. Uh, I was sitting right over here, kind of where Samuel is now. And I, by myself, I was one of the first. I, when we're doing something like this, and I'm, I'm going to preach and moderate and stuff, as soon as it's over, I try to get into the line a little quicker. Not that I'm hungry or got to get in front of somebody, but I get my part done so I'm ready to get things rolling when I get when we're finished or nearly finished eating. And I was sitting by myself on that row, and, and my wife uh, come by, and she, she saw me sitting along. She said, I'm sitting over there, and she, here's some other people over here that, I said, no, no, it's okay. They don't like me. They don't have to sit by me. No, nobody likes me. <laughs> and I said it jokingly, but Naomi was there going through the line. She heard me say that, and about five minutes later, her and Sam and Caleb showed up and surrounded me and sat down beside of me. And I think that's why they came, because they thought, poor old preacher, got nobody that likes him, so we'll like him. <laughs> so I appreciate that. <laughs> I really do. And I've got some great friends here, and I don't know. I, I guess I've heard other pastors say that being... Being a pastor is one of the loneliest jobs that you can have because there's so many things you do that you just, you know, you can't necessarily talk about to somebody else because we try to keep confidences and things like that. And so maybe we don't get to be as close. I want to be, and I think it's good. I don't think a pastor ought to be untouchable or anything like that. It's just the nature of the job. And so uh, I think I've got a lot of good friends, though. If you're not my friend, don't tell me. I want to believe that. Let me just speak for a couple of minutes about the ability to be thankful. The ability to be thankful. Proverbs 15:13, listen to this. Proverbs 15:13, you know the verse. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Proverbs 15:15, 15, 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Proverbs 17:22 A merry heart doeth good like a medicine but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Do you notice all of that merry heart in those verses and the Bible talks about having a a merry heart laughter I guess the reader's digest says tells us that laughter is a good medicine and uh, I think the Bible teaches that all the way through that you ought to have a merry heart. I want to establish a link tonight between the merry heart and thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless us. May the Holy Spirit sweep over our hearts with the word of God and make us closer to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to show a connection between the merry heart and genuine thankfulness. It's easy. Now, I think you'll agree with me. It's easy for us to say we're thankful. I mean, you can just all you got to do is say the words. I can say I'm Abraham Lincoln. But that didn't make it true. These, the words come out easily. Uh, I can say I love you, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. But there is a link between having a merry heart and true thankfulness. If a person must have a merry heart to be truly thankful, then what's this link and how does it work? I think I can scripturally show uh, that the two are interlinked together the merry heart comes because of satisfaction. You're satisfied. 
you're content. If you're content, you have a merry heart. And if you're satisfied and have a merry heart, then it's easier to be thankful, isn't it? If I'm, if I'm happy, if I'm thankful, I mean, if I'm, I have a merry heart, a good, cheerful spirit, then it's easier to be thankful. And I think there's a connection there that we can see. Israel has repeatedly, in the centuries past, in the Old Testament especially, we see Israel has been chosen by God. God's tried, tried to draw Israel close to him. He even called Israel his wife. And he loved Israel as a people and tried to draw them to him. But what happened? The more he blessed them, the more they wandered away. And they would, they would go off, and he would call it in the Old Testament, go a-whoring after other gods. And, the, and they would repeatedly, in spite of the fact that God had blessed them, they'd go after false idols and found their satisfaction elsewhere. Now, here's the link I'm trying to establish, that if we're satisfied, if we're contented, we're going to have a merry heart, and with a merry heart, we can be thankful. Uh, they, Israel, would often, oftentimes offer words that say the words that they, they belong to God and they love God, but they were counterfeit words so often. As we can see in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, listen to this. Israel's counterfeit words of following God. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. Does that ring a bell? You remember that about Israel, right? They had lips of praise, but they weren't satisfied or they wouldn't have gone after the false idols. They would, they would have been content and satisfied with God. They would have just stayed put with God, but they weren't satisfied. God wanted to bless Israel, and he will once again after the tribulation. He'll bless them again. You know Israel has gone through century after century, even in our Last two centuries, you've seen Israel, I mean, with the Nazis and extermination camps in World War II. Uh, Israel, the Jews, were exterminated so much. Six million Jews, they're estimated to have, been, uh, have lost their lives. Even today, as we speak, there's a war going on in the Middle East because that little speck of Israel there in the Middle East, uh, the other countries, Arab countries that are sprawling for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles all around them, yet the the Arab nations say Israel is colonializing our, our territory and <laughs> their little bitty place. Israel has been going through a lot of heartache, terror, a lot of suffering, pain for centuries. And yet God will bless them again. It says in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17, he said, For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, because they call thee an outcast, Israel, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring again the captivity of Jacob's tents, and have mercy on his dwelling places. And the city shall be builded upon her own heap, and the palace shall remain after the manner thereof. Listen to this. And out of them shall proceed thanksgiving, and the voice of them that make merry. Do you see those two words linked together there? Thanksgiving 
and making merry. One of these days after the tribulation is over, Israel's going to suffer again terribly in that tribulation time. And then God says, eventually they're going to turn to me and the, the nation will be saved in a day. And once they turn back to me and they're born again, then he says, they're going to be thankful to me then, which they weren't before. But he said, they're going to be thankful to me and have a merry heart. The merry heart is what makes us able to give thanksgiving. Well, how do we develop then? See, Israel is given as an example to us. You know that. The Old Testament Israel given as an example to New Testament church age people. And so, how do we have an attitude if this thing of, of a merry heart gives us the ability to be thankful, then how do we acquire that? Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now what we're talking about is this kind of faith where we believe, and it's been said in testimonies tonight, that sometimes things are going to happen that are not pleasant. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean we'll never be sick or we'll never have financial problems or we won't have family problems or job problems. So we're not talking about a faith that is a Pollyanna-like faith that denies any existence of hardship. But what we are talking about is when we have that abiding faith, believing that God's going to make everything turn out okay, eventually, somewhere down the line, when we have that kind of faith, then we can be of a cheerful countenance and a cheerful heart. Because he's going to make, it says he doeth all things well. Amen. And he's going, to, he's going to make everything right at the end of time, if not before. So, this kind of faith will help us to have a merry heart. So in spite of the fact that my bank account may be empty today, but I don't have to worry and fret, don't have to shed tears over it, because God's in charge of things, and he's going to make everything okay. And this kind of faith is built on not just some spy, kind, uh, pie in the sky kind of thing. I had a Joe Biden moment there for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> this faith that we are saying creates the merry heart is the faith <clears throat> that's based on the actual promises of God. It's not something we make up. It's not just positive thinking. It's faith based on the revealed word of God, his promises. In Second Peter, look, he, he makes it pretty plain. 2 Peter 1 and 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So the kind, of, the kind of faith that brings a merry heart that enables us to be thankful is that no matter what's going on around us, we say, God's in charge. He's going to take care of me. And my soul is saved forever because I've trusted in Jesus. And so therefore, I don't have to fret and worry and my world doesn't have to fall apart 
I can still have a merry heart. And because I've got a merry heart that God gave me based on his promises, I can be thankful. I get letters, have had letters over the years. Um, when somebody decides to go join another church or, or maybe they move away and get a letter and they're requesting, the church is requesting a transfer of membership from here. Now when that happens, can I be honest with you? I don't just suddenly jump up to my feet and say, praise the Lord, somebody's leaving our church. <laughs> well, I don't usually do that. There's a time or two. <laughs> I'm not denying, and the Bible's not denying, that we may have times when we have some temporary setbacks. But here's what I've got to do when that happens. When some, and, and believe me, it always hurts a pastor's heart to get a letter of transfer or somebody just leave the church, don't ever tell you why, and they're just gone. <laughs> it always hurts a pastor's heart. But I'm not going to wallow in it day after day and say, why did they leave? Why did they leave? I may not ever know the secret things belongeth unto the Lord. And what I can do is number one, listen, number one, I can say, did I do something wrong? Did our church do something wrong? Is there something we need to correct? If so, we'll correct it and move on. Number two, thank the Lord that we've still got people here. Somebody might have left, but we still got people here. And we're still serving God. God's calling is without repentance. And so we just keep on moving forward when something like that happens. And then we can say, listen, here's it. Here it is. I can still say, thank you, Lord. I'm thankful that you've given us a church full of people who love you and want to live for you and people that show up. Thank you. So I can be thankful even as you see a few people shrink away. I said to Brother Sexton over in Knoxville one time years ago, this is when we were really trying to struggle and keep a, a few people in our church. And, and I told him, uh, uh, I said, Brother Sexton, it just seems like we work hard, get some people in and got people for a little while and here they go. They're out the back door. They're gone. I said, how do you stop that? He's got a church of like 5,000 people. I said, how do you stop that? He said, Brother Brooks, if you figure it out, let me know. I said, what do you mean? He said, it happens to us every day. He said, the only difference between us and you is we've got a great big church with a whole lot of people and people don't notice when this family leaves or that family leaves and they go away. It's not as noticeable in a big church as it is a little church. But it happens. He said, it happens to every church I know of. So it's not something necessary. He said, it's not necessarily something you're doing wrong or your church is doing wrong or that you're not meeting needs. It's just that that's the way people are. And you just got to thank God for the ones you've got left that love the Lord. And I do thank the Lord. And when you have reversals in your life, the money goes away, you lose a child, lose a loved one in death, something happens, you may have a temporary heartache out of it. But then you thank God. I've still got a lot to be thankful for. I've got a lot to be thankful for. I was thinking just, I was walking out to the mailbox this afternoon. I was here at the church and I said, I better go check the mail. So I walked out the driveway and I'm walking along and I thought, you know, it's good to have shoes. 
<laughs> it'll be, this whole pavement would be kind of rough walking out there barefooted because I haven't been going barefooted since I was a little boy. I used to have feet tough as leather, but not now. I'd, I'd be in trouble if I had to go anywhere barefooted now. Oh, man, it's great to have shoes. And I've got clothes. I even got a coat when it gets colder. I've got a, I've got a heavy-duty coat I can put on. So here's my question to you. Can we have a merry heart regardless of what happens to us? I'm not saying you won't shed a few tears or might have a, have a, while, a little while of grief. What I am saying is that you can go on having a cheerful heart that makes you thankful because you look around and see what you've got. Thank God for what we've got. What if... You've seen these old movies that's been on the Twilight Zone and, and you've read books, apocalyptic type books where you have a, a nuclear war and everybody in the world gets killed except you and just a few more and you're, you're starting life all over again. What if that happened? What if everything you've got and all your neighbors, everybody you know, what if something happened and just wiped everybody's house out and you've got a few people left in your family and your friends, you've got a few people left, but would you go out and build a log cabin and say, God, I'm thankful for this log cabin. I, I, I liked my air conditioning and central heat I had in that house that got blown away by the nuclear bomb. <laughs> but could you say, I'm thankful for this log cabin, at least it keeps me out of the rain. <laughs> or if you had a cave... You believe in cavemen? I do. I believe there are people who lived in caves. I've even known people that lived in caves in my lifetime. That's the kind of cavemen I believe in. <laughs> how, how little could we get by with and still have a merry heart? How much could we lose and how little could we have left and still thank the Lord? I'm still here. <laughs> I've still got... I still got a wife, I still got a kid, still got shoes on my feet. Could you really be thankful, have a merry heart with the bare minimum? I mentioned that I'd gone to No Bottom Graveyard a few days ago in a sermon. And uh, this is just a little, little graveyard. It's not very big, maybe about as big as this building, the whole cemetery. And it's way back in the woods where nobody even hardly knows where it's at anymore. And I saw a bunch of my old relatives' tombstones out there. And I was just thinking, you know, none of those people in those hills, nobody had a plantation back in those days in the 1800s. Plantations weren't really that good on the hillside. And nobody had elegant things. They lived in a shack or a log house. But I bet you those people knew how to have a merry heart. I bet if they had some bacon and eggs on the table, they felt rich. <laughs> I imagine if they had a little family gathered around them that they could pray together with over a meal, I bet they felt really wealthy. Cheerful heart. What does it take to make a cheerful heart? Is it stuff? Or could we just be content with God? If we got a merry heart, we can be thankful. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for everything that we do have. But Lord, if we lost it all, if we lost everything, even our shoes, Lord, we still got you. And with God, all things are possible. And so Lord, as long as we've got you, 
we're rich. We have the Father that owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills underneath the cattle. Lord, we have you and we're thankful for what you've done for us and what you will do for us in the future. And Lord, we just love you because of who you are. We just love you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for just loving us. And Lord, create in us a merry heart that knows how to be thankful. I pray you'd bless us.